because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. Step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh, and we do what the fuck we want to the Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on Sean2Green.com to support the Green Room today. Live from Silver Lake, California, the host of the Green Room, Chuck. On Green! All right, everyone, welcome to the Green Room Comedy Podcast. We're doing it live here from the Silver Lake Studios. On SeanTGreen.com, I'd like to welcome my left-hand man onto the program, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, what's happening? Konnichiwa, Sean. All right. Bringing back Konnichiwa. Appreciate that. Um, and he mentioned is brought to you by Amazon. And I want to thank everyone for logging on to SeanTGreen.com, hitting that Amazon button. Every time you do that, you know, we get a you know, little cut of it. And, uh, yeah, of course, uh, holiday shopping's coming up. they got tons of deals. It's pretty simple. And you can actually bookmark that link. So anytime you want to do a little online shopping on Amazon, you just hit the bookmark. You're ready to go. You're ready to support the green room. You're ready to s- support small businesses. I know Saturday was small businesses. And, uh, what a, you know, you can't get much smaller than a, than a podcast. So It's the backbone of America, small business. Right. We're putting, we're putting people to work one job at a time, Logan. And I'd like to welcome on our guest for this evening, Mr. Ed Greer. Ed, what's happening, man? What's up, Sean? It's really great to be back on, man. Yeah, dude. Haven't had you on in a little bit. How uh, you doing? Oh, uh, man. You know what? I, I'm Well, today, today's real sad for me. Right. You know, because uh, my spirit animal died. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, that sucks, you know. Right. But, you know, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a damn downer, but, you know, it's just like when you have your guy. That's the guy. Sure. Talk about Patrice O'Neill. Talking about the way, Patrice O'Neill. Yeah, I didn't know he died. And when you were telling me that outside, you were sad about him. I was just like, oh, he must have died. But yeah, I didn't know that until you were talking to me about it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's one of those things, man. It's like, uh, it, it, I'm not trying to. It's funny now. There's going to be a lot of you know comedians who are just like, yeah, that's my guy, and blah blah, and they're going to connect their feelings with him and stuff. And that's what happens with everybody. Geraldo, if you write jokes. When Ronaldo right. died, it was a big deal to you. If you're uh, if you're a big old black man who isn't necessarily doing Def Jam comedy, and you're, you're <laughs> and you're talking about some real shit, and you're being like, "Yeah, I'm a humorist, but this is what I really fucking think." Yes, you know, don't don't question that that sort of humor. Like, I think that's what I do. You know what I mean? And it's like to have a, a dude who really did it at a high level, and now he's gone. It's just. Yeah, it weirds me out, and uh, I tie it to me like a fucking you know. I know this fat chick who ties every fat chick death to herself. <laughs> so you know, I don't want to well, be. That's, in that. that's why. That's why Kelly Clarkson's doing so well, man. <laughs> now that she packed on the pounds, women identify with her more. I actually saw an article about it where they were talking about well, her weight loss isn't actually a bad thing because you know women in Middle America look at her and go, wow, she struggles with her weight just like I do. Like there's yeah. there's a couple different versions of of female of popular female like there's the Britney or or someone like that where it's like a strictly a sex symbol and like oh I aspire to be sexy but then there's also something in the empathy of oh man I know what it's like to put on pounds and to not feel as sexy but still feel sexy so they kind of yeah. identify with Kelly Clarkson yeah oh Patrice O'Neill 
obviously just an insanely funny guy. And, and like you said, he, he truly had a unique voice. It was a weird sense of he, he was kind of – he had – he had anger and he was pissed off about stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't like a Chris Rock ranting type of style. It was, was kind of crotchety. It was like you know he'd snap at you. Yeah, yeah, he would kind of yeah. mess with people, but he also, like you said, yeah, it's it's more just his feelings on stuff. Here's a uh, here's a little snippet of uh, Patrice O'Neill. If you haven't, make sure you check out his stuff. Obviously, a super funny guy. You know how you can tell how pretty a white woman is. <laughs> the va- I mean, that just right there is like. You know you're killing it when your premise is strong enough to stand up as its own punchline. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a funny joke. It, it you know oh yeah you could determine how, how how much a white woman is simply by looking at her. <laughs> well, I mean you look the, the funny thing about what Patrice would do, like sometimes people would uh, accuse him of not necessarily saying the right thing, but he was talking in that bit especially. He's talking about yeah no th- I'm talking about how they're perceived, right? Not how it really is, but let's talk about how. How you're perceived and how you're treated is what really is. And that's what he's talking about. That's what really is. It's not about justice or no shit like that. Fuck a justice. If I got trapped in the, in the ocean, I better have a white baby for yes. them to come get yeah, me. You know great. what I mean? That sort of thing. You know, it's just it's not about what's right. It is, it's about what is. And make it that funny, you know? Yeah, here, here's a little snippet of his, uh, his bit here. And then you wonder how long they would look for if she was missing. <laughs> Take a look. Look at this. Look, 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 look. I saw you look mad, sweetie. How long if you was missing? How long you think they were? How long you think they were? Exactly. She don't even. She went. You know the deal. I ain't saying nothing wrong. White woman's life is valuable. <laughs> What's his name? Yorin uh, Vandersloot? Right? We find out he was a serial killer. Man, he kills women. That's what he do. He do it well. You know what I mean? We know the girl that he, that he you know, supposedly had... Uh, what's the girl in Aruba? Natalie Holloway. Right? But the one, he just killed the girl in Peru. What's her name? Um, exactly. <laughs> Patrice O'Neill, rest in uh, rest in peace, man. Yeah, it's a shame. And it was uh, he just had a stroke. He had a battle with diabetes. I guess for I don't know how long, but yeah, man, just uh, just got to him. Kind of a bummer there, but a uh, super funny guy. Great career. Yeah, this is it's one of those people where you just like you go like yeah. Everybody wants to talk about how he could have been. Like, there's a lot of people who want to talk about how he could have been bigger or whatever. I don't really agree with anybody who thinks about like somebody could have been this. It's like even with sports teams, it's like yeah, this team should be. Well, dude, they're not. They're doing what they can do. And Patrice O'Neill did what he could do to the to to a great degree. I mean, look 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 at how great he was. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, a lot yeah. of his. A lot of his stuff where he's ranting about show business or how he didn't want to do this or didn't want to do that. I mean, that's fine. It, it, 
you know, it is its own thing. Like, he had a career. He made a ton of people laugh in the same way that Greg Giraldo made a ton of people laugh. Yeah, he didn't have a traditional sitcom, but just because you're not Tim Allen doesn't mean your life is a complete failure. Oh, dude, expla- dude explaining that to your relatives and stuff right. when you're talking about, you know, comedic success. Well, yeah, because I know because I've done that myself. Like, yeah, yeah like, uh, I make a lot of people laugh. Trust me. Yeah, but do you, <laughs> yeah. how much money are you making? Because they don't. Yeah. They don't know how to gauge it in the new era. The new, This new era of how to gauge what you're doing. You know what I mean? That's not like the dumbest statement ever, but you know what I mean. Like, this, you can't, you well, can't. It's not thing it's, of the internet. Yeah, it's not just record sales or how many times you're on Ed Sullivan. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to explain to your freaking right. aunt why you're not on TV every day, but how you're able to make a living, and you're just like, dude, I know dudes who do colleges exclusively, and they get paid like a million dollars a year, and yeah. no, you would never know who those dudes are. Jimmy McGillicuddy, you know, whoever <laughs> these guys, and they're making bank. They got corporate. Jimmy McGillicuddy kills it on the corporate circuit, right? I mean, it. It does, it does make you realize show business and media in general was so much more simple back, you know, even 10 years ago. Okay, you were either famous or you weren't. You were either on television or considered a real performer or you weren't. Now it's, it's become so crazy and diversified and new media, etc. There's a show, Harry Bikers, where it's just two guys that are kind of hairy and they're on the History <laughs> Channel going around having pointless adventures. And I watch this and go, this is what I aspire to be on? Like, this is what – <laughs> this is this stupid box where two hairy bikers are trying gumbo soup and they're not entertaining at all. It's a, it's an insane piece of shit. Dude. But this is what I wake up every day going, I got to get a cable TV show because that's the, that's the media I was brought up in. But meanwhile – well, I don't want to be a hairy biker. That's that's an awful idea. I don't, they, these guys have nothing to say. Chumley will probably of uh, Pawn Stars. There's just, I mean, TV has become a point where we put people on TV because we make fun of them. TV used to be an honor. Like, wow, you're so talented. We're going to put you on. Right. Now it's yeah. like now it's like in the same way you patronize mentally challenged people. That's what we do with television. Oh, hey, you want a TV show? That'll be funny if this guy who's stupid right. and re. This guy who's on steroids and drunk all the time. Imagine if they followed him with a camera. That's funny. Right. We can laugh at him because we feel okay. They're getting paid. Because we're better than them. Soon, eventually, you'll TV will be a point of shame where, hey, you, <laughs> hey, you keep, you keep fucking up. Oh my I'm, God, you're that guy on television. <laughs> hey, you keep messing yeah. up. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna ground you, kids. I'm gonna put you on television. No, don't do that. <laughs> They're going to broadcast their lives all over the airways. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll let everyone know what a screw-up you are. Dude, I, that that is really, number one, hilarious, and number two, a harbinger of doom. <laughs> because I, I really think that's, that's going to happen. Eventually, what... privacy will become the new fame in the sense that yeah. having my own thoughts that I have to myself, like, oh, wow, that's valuable. He has thoughts that no one else knows. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> How does that work? Right. You, mean, you have you – have, you have stuff you've written and you haven't like, shared it. You've had ideas and thoughts in your brain that haven't been shared. Yeah. That's the Orwellian future. Yeah, Every, dude. Everyone's oh, dude. thoughts, motives, emotions are going to be so transparent dude, that can make, and so that projected. That make a great movie, dude. You could do that like the Truman Show, Gattaca. Truman, Truman Gattaca. Dude, you know what I mean? crazy, yeah. <laughs> that, that dude, yeah. It's like somebody's like, it's like, yeah, so the other day, and they're like, 
you have a secret? <laughs> That's what exactly. the chick says to the hero. You have a secret? Boom. And then the score starts and starts cutting a different yeah, shit. You could, you could kind of do the trailer like a romantic comedy. where you, or, or not a romantic comedy. Like a truly romantic film where you think that the entire time the secret is this guy really loves this chick. But really it's just that, you know, he wants to watch a football game or something like yeah. completely trivial. Like, <laughs> exactly. I just want you to shut up. That's his secret the entire time. <laughs> I'm really tired of hearing you yeah. talk and I'm getting really annoyed by this. <laughs> they expect it to be some deep secret. But no, nah, he's just a dude hanging out and kind of annoyed at putting up with your shit, lady. Dude, I, well, what's what's up in the? Are you are you betting? Are you gambling? Yes, I'm gambling. You you came in, you caught the end. Uh, we were recording. Me and my buddy Ryan record a, a sports gambling podcast. So I was recording that because I'm actually going uh, up to Northern California this week to do a show up there with my buddy Cornell Reed and Paul Denke and uh, Johnny Pemberton. We're doing some shows up in Cornell's hometown. So I uh, pre-taped my sports gambling podcast. So I was I was working on that, trying to go through the lines and, and figure that out. Oh, that's dope! I, I yeah. Get, well, hey. I actually I had a had a pretty good Thanksgiving because I won, <laughs> I won, uh, I went two and one. I won the first two games and then lost the third game. Was that the you, what, you lost Baltimore? Yes, I, I bet Baltimore in the third game, but I won. I bet the under in the. Um, Dolphins Cowboys game and I'm mad at myself for not also betting the Dolphins they were getting seven points felt great about that and I also won on the Green Bay Packers Green Bay minus four it really is as much as people want to say that gambling is a negative thing and a divisive vice which there are moments (laughs) where where that happens right winning free money on a holiday while you're eating food and hanging out and drinking with some uh, family and friends there's nothing better it's the (laughs) icing For me, winning sports gambling is the icing on the cake of life. And I know this is probably exactly something you would hear at a Gamblers Anonymous meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no. And uh, it was funny, actually. All right, so I have a bookie, and uh, it's done online or whatever for the computer. Right. And uh, he actually ran the numbers, like lifetime numbers. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even want to know. Came out, I'm up. Like seventy five dollars lifetime, <laughs> so like I, I win, I lose, I win, I lose. But you know that kind of validated because in the back of my head, I never do. Because you basically usually it's nothing crazy for me. Uh, I mean, sometimes I go to Vegas and then probably overindulge there. But you know, in a football week, I'll make one or two bets, and then I'll either like win and then try to roll with it or lose. But then I'll usually win out either in the next week or the week after. Right. So it's usually just kind of back and forth. But um. Yeah, that just getting that validation of like, yeah, I right. the system, man. Well, dude, I, I got to tell you, man, I bet very sparingly on football. There's just too many variables, like the differences in fields, and so many people can get hurt and different jobs like that. Crazy. And plus the the emotionality of different stuff, like like the like I. But I I do know certain football teams really good. Like I know that Baltimore is going to beat San Francisco. I yes. super knew that because San Francisco is having a ball being good for the first time in ages. And like every time that you're good for the first time in ages, when you come up against a big boys, you get beat up. That's exactly what happens. You you you, you just got cool. Yeah. You just got cool. Do you want to go talk to the bullies? Yep. Nah, I'm Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get fucked up. You ain't got your Team Wolf powers yet, son. You know, and I, th- I knew that was going to happen to them, even without Ray Lewis, especially because Ray Lewis wasn't in right. there. See, I, I understand the psychology of certain teams in that respect. I was like, dude, they they really, even in the pregame thing, they were talking about, make your name. Let people know your name. I was like, oh, shit. These dudes are really taking this seriously. <laughs> That is great. That's something that I think women could really get sold on sports if, especially football, I think that's why the 
what was a bummer is this year there was no Hard Knocks, that um, HBO yeah, reality yeah. show. I think that does a great job of selling women, especially on sports. I mean, guys will kind of love anything sports-related, but women or, you know, the few French um, – whatever, um, guys who aren't into football, those guys, I think it's good at winning them over because you get invested in the storylines. And then you, it, football and especially football is the ultimate reality show in the sense that there's bad guys, there's kind of good, <laughs> there's a psychology. It really is a week by week soap opera. In the same way you turn on your soap opera and see, oh hey, this happened this week. Oh, of course she's going to do that cuz that like you have an idea of what's going to happen, but there's always some twists. Right. There's always some drama. There's people you root for, there's people you root against. That's how we have to sell women on sports is that it's the ultimate reality show. Well, I, th- I think you're, you're opening up a big Pandora's box of like sports marketing, though. Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like all of a sudden, like you know, those fringe dude. We, we try to get those fringe guys. Check it out. We're gonna get chess players <laughs> yeah. by like showing the big graphics of how yeah. this piece moves this way. <laughs> the Titans like your knight nerds. The yeah. Titans like your knight, you stupid nerd. And then the wide receivers like a queen because he can go anywhere, bro. Or maybe the H back. Maybe the H backs like the queen. Come on, nerd, get into this. <laughs> all right, little kid playing with your dolls. These are like the big fat dolls crashing to the other big fat dolls and this pretty doll passes the ball to the other one you got you know what i mean it's like it's, it's like a big wormhole of that shit but i do i do agree that uh football definitely has a, a storyline aspect and the and the bad guys are jazz but i do like the 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 way the people move to make space for each other in that it's a confined area with that many dudes on the field yeah. and i love pick plays I love those shit because it's, it's it's like the only thing that's like super fucking illegal, right? But everybody has it. Everybody who passes well does it. Fucking Green Bay runs a gang of those shits. Like, oh, my route just happens to be all up in your shit, yeah, defensive back. Oh, this is just my route. Sorry. Yeah, basically, it's it requires a receiver to act. What Ed is describing is that when there's two receivers, they'll put them out in the same area, and a receiver will act like. The route he was supposed to run just happens to intersect where the defensive player was, and he starts trying to run through the guy, which ends up being like he's kind of blocking him. Technically, you're not allowed to block him, yeah. but you're also allowed to technically run wherever you want. So it's this kind right. of beating the system on right. the technicality. Right, exactly. No, I, I agree. I don't know. I don't necessarily want to sell more women on sports. I mean, I, I don't mind chicks being into sports and stuff like that. But I, I'm not, you know, when a girl like is like, yeah, I'm really into football too, and then you start talking to him about it, and then it gets to be a point where, like, ah, oh, man, yeah, she just says that because she's a chick. Or the worst is when she's right about something, and then that's really annoying. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, you know your Eagles are gonna lose. They're like, shut up, stupid chicks don't know anything about football. And then they yeah. lose. I'm like, oh my god, I hate oh, you so much. Right. I was thinking about this. <laughs> I, when they're right, but they're wrong. Like they'll they'll say some stupid reason, like you know, like right. like McNabb is so dumb. Like McNabb doesn't. <laughs> Play on the team, you dumb bitch. Yeah. And, and then they're but, but they're, they're right. right. They're right on the game. It's like ah. I'll never forget this. It was, I think, uh, yeah, two years ago, 2009. I went to Vegas. My uh, buddy came into town. Who's who's from New York? He had a lot of money. He was like, hey, I got some money. Go to a strip club. I'm like, all right, fine. Go there, <laughs> hang out. And I'm sitting there and just hanging out in the main room. Or what you know, like kind of the whatever the main dance area is, and then the girls will come up, try to get you to go in the back room, and they'll, they'll just start making small talk. And the girl came down, sat in my lap, like, "Oh, hey, 
what's up? What are you here for? I'm like, oh, I'm just here to watch, you know, NFL Sunday, blah, blah, blah. She's like, you know who's going to win the Super Bowl? This is like week three. Uh-huh. So like, New Orleans Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm from New Orleans, but I know it's going to happen. Uh-huh. Like, oh, you stupid dumb stripper. The stripper's chewing my ear off about football. Uh-huh. Seven months later, the New Orleans <laughs> Saints are heisting the Lombardi Trophy. I was like... This is the only time, I think, in known history where a stripper could have made you a ton of money. Right. And I blew it by just going, oh, she's a chick. She doesn't know about football. Dude, what I want to get into, really, what I want to get into is, like, doing some math projections on different teams and, like, the different people they're getting and all this jazz and start betting some of these crazy outlanders, like, week one or, like, before the season, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Those kind of nutso bets where you're just kind of charting the progress of teams over the course of time. I bet you somebody got New Orleans on something like that like oh, yeah, well yeah. i saw them developing and i saw that this was their chance if they could get past x y and z team if they could if, if you know do you think peyton is a real winner peyton have you guys talked have you guys talked about this on the no podcast on the before? uh sports gambling podcast no we never really got into peyton manning as a real winner he won that one super bowl so it's kind of a kind of a get out of jail free card but i, I know right. what you're getting at he's he's definitely come up short in a in a lot of clutch moments uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, now, but it's one of those things. He's played so well and just historically had such yeah, a great career. Yeah, You're right. He hasn't had those kind of Brady swagger moments. But yeah, kind of like kind of like a, a Favre, right? It's like everybody has to call him great because he's great. But he threw he threw away more games than a sanitation worker. He blew a worker. lot of games. Yeah, <laughs> but then it just we're a, we're a simple society. It's either X or O. You either won a Super Bowl or you didn't, and that's that's kind of how it goes. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Getting back to Patrice O'Neill, it's it's a shame where some people. Might might not look back on his career and say it was a, a success, but in, in a fact, in yeah, it was man. I mean, he had he made millions of people laugh. He inspired tons of people. It is weird. Where like super funny guys like Patrice and Greg Giraldo, the only time they kind of became the story in entertainment news right. was when they died. Right. And it's a shame. It's like these guys should have been the the story. Uh, but then there's also to me, to be honest, there's also kind of the same way. You know, I'm glad that the Grateful Dead uh, – no, I wouldn't say glad, but I appreciate that the Grateful Dead weren't a number one selling artist. You know, there's something in the community of, oh, he gets Patrice O'Neill. He finds – oh, she finds uh, Patrice O'Neill's funny or she finds right. Greg Jarrell's yeah. funny. Like, right. That kind of shows a certain intelligence and taste. And well, yeah. I don't think those guys – like they wanted, uh, they wanted success. Obviously, you kind of want to keep moving forward. You want to feel like your career is progressing. But I don't think you could say on either one of those guys that they, it was unsuccessful. But also, and also, there's this one thing of like, okay, succeeding on like your own terms, you know, being like, okay, yeah. if this is the amount of success I can get being this way that I totally like to be all the time, then wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if I like to be this way, you know, right? They didn't so, want to compromise, right? Yeah, he wasn't willing to compromise. They were going to stand their ground. Oh, speaking of compromising, I know you might have a segue, but I just wanted to get your thought on no. the on the uh, the strike ending in regards to uh, yes, basketball. Yes, I was going to get that. Um, <laughs> he's talking about the NBA strike. The lockout has ended. The players and owners came to agreement. They, they <laughs> I mean, it was pretty insane that, yeah, I don't know. They, I couldn't really get a handle on this NBA lockout. The NFL lockout, I see, it seemed to make a lot more sense to me. The NBA lockout was – a little more weird because it did seem like players were getting overpaid and they kind of got a better deal than they should have. But then it's hard to, you know, you're not going to totally side with the owners because at the end of the day, the players are doing the work. 
But it's weird because you don't know how honest these owners are being about opening up their books and were they actually losing money, weren't they? It does seem like there were mid-level guys who were getting overpaid. Probably something had to be done. 50-50 split, that's what they agreed on for basketball-related income. I mean, I guess back in the day with Jordan, they had it where the players were getting 57% and the owners were only getting 43%. So. That does seem like that's kind of, there's some disparity there, and maybe at the time the players deserve that because you know Michael Jordan took it to a whole nother level. Right. But now I think maybe fifty fifty seems fair. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, the, I, I I mirror those thoughts pretty much. I think it's funny how like Michael Jordan just <laughs> wants to win. He right. doesn't give a fuck. Like I used to be a player. I'm down with the players. I'm an owner now. I'm down with the owners. Fuck right. it. I want to win. Period. Yeah, I just so want he, to win. Michael Jordan's the owner of the Bobcats and. You know, way back in the day, he was like, you know, obviously the face of the league and the players, and like we deserve more money. Right. Basically, arguing for that fifty-seven percent, and now literally he's arguing against the same deal he argued right. for because he's Michael Jordan and he yeah. doesn't give a shit, and he's still super competitive. Right, and he I must not lose. That that's his attitude. <laughs> but uh, I, I really think what's interesting is though the, the thing that I always wanted to talk. It's, it's almost like this Occupy Wall Street jazz tying it all oh, in. Wow. Yeah, it seems, I, it seems, that's it funny that like, you said that because I actually have a Occupy Wall Street clip. Ready to go. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the whole thing, like the only people that I've ever talked to about that jazz who like hit me with some stuff that I was like, oh, that gives me pause is this that when they project that like certain CEOs make 376 times more than their employees, like that their, their lowest paid employee, that you know, 376 right. times. And you look at the production of what that employee has done and it just does, the math doesn't add up. That company would keep selling along if that CEO died. Basically, right. they would make those, and it, it goes to the the NBA. The NBA, all, all the Cleveland Cavalier, Cavaliers owner has to do is show up, and hundreds of millions of dollars roll roll in. He has right. that arena. He can charge motherfuckers whatever he wants. Circus comes to town. Everything has to come to that arena. He's getting that money regardless, and he's got a freaking pro team and all their merchandise, all this jazz, and he gets that for almost ever as long as he can keep the business up. However, right. a player can blow their knee out second second game of their season or whatever. So it's like the players feel like, yes, let us gouge you. a little bit we're only right. gonna be in the motherfucker for six years yes you're gonna you can you gouging us makes no fucking sense because you guys are getting fat ridiculously regardless well and and, and but the, and the owners, owners are making money. the owners are making a good a point in or i'm saying the owners obviously they do have a vested interest in keeping the business long term and the players should too for future players but they, right. no yeah. one really has that no one's there like yeah. that altruistic of like I want yeah. a good deal for people 15 years that yeah, yeah. His, history no, doesn't show don't. that we give a fuck about our children's right, but children really but, if you yeah. want the game to keep going on you gotta keep it competitive and especially yeah. in the NBA it's not as clear cut where the NFL has been so successful even the small market teams are right. killing it because they, right. they have a right. great program set up to split the TV money you can make money in any stadium. Every team's making yeah. money. Basketball isn't that way. You're definitely right about you, that. You know, they all all the owners grew their, the value of their franchise tremendously over the past decade. Where the same growth hasn't been true, especially in some of the small market NBA teams. Yeah, and but and that's the thing that's that's weird about basketball though, and football. Think about how hard it is to get better in football. You got forty dudes. 50 dudes, 60 dudes sometimes that you're looking at trying to make your – you don't have 60 damn dudes at Clipper Camp. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what I mean? So it's like you got a certain pool of people to, to go through. Yeah, and you, either I guess get, that, yeah. you either get a super stud guy like Blake Griffin at, who will change the change the history of your franchise or you don't. Right. And 
you know they, they're they're trying to set up uh, hard caps and stuff like that to to keep it competitive to keep small market teams into it. I mean, Oklahoma City, yeah, they loved the Thunder because they got Durant and then they got Westbrook and they had tools around. Right. But if they didn't draft, if they didn't get lucky and draft Kevin Durant, they might have had a bust. And you know, then right. going to the small market. If they draft team. Uh, Odin. Think about Oklahoma City right now. Oklahoma they draft Odin. Odin's? That that's that's a that's an empty arena. It's super garbage. Everybody hates them. <laughs> yep. But drafting Durant, everybody's hey, happy. Hey, they're dude, they're taking on the, the Lakers. Line. They're everyone just balling. Everyone loves winning. All right, we were talking about the Occupy LA, or Occupy just anything. Occupy Wall Street. Here's a little uh, here's a little <laughs> news clip from the uh, Occupy LA. Oh crap! Hold on. Basically, they were set to evict all the people out of the Occupy encampment in LA. What was it? Uh, Sunday night. Sunday night at uh, one a.m. Los Angeles police were more concerned with protesters blocking vital intersections. It is not our intent to clear the park at this time. <laughs> than moving them from their city hall lawn encampments. Our intent last night was to continue the informational campaign to get people into shelter that, that, uh, that would take it and to prepare the way so that we could enforce the law uh, in as uh, orderly and, in, and as, a, uh, in as limited a way as possible. And unfortunately, that didn't, wasn't, it wasn't able to happen last night because of the huge influx of people and them taking over the streets. So we had to, I had to bring in resources from all over the city. Okay, so I actually showed up. I went, uh, me and my buddy, Justin Decker, went down to the Occupy LA thing at midnight because that's when we heard, oh, my God, they're going to bring in whatever. They're going to bring in all this police, and they're going to clear out the tents. So we, we, <laughs> you guys went to watch? Yeah, no. I, was, oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, was, I was part of the influx in people of just random people going to hang out and just see what was going to happen. Oh, that's funny. And you get down there. First off, there were just helicopters swarming for hours on end. Wow. And then it was weird. These All these cops got riot gear and were all lined up and then just slowly moved down all the streets, kind of trying to closely, like, slowly push things in. And that was going on for, like, a couple hours. I mean, it was supposed to happen at midnight. That was when the official order went down that they were, gonna, that they were supposedly going to clear out the park. And then we're sitting there at two thirty, and I'm get, I'm getting bored. I'm like, Justin, let's go. Nothing's gonna happen. And thankfully, we did because nothing did happen. And this is what <laughs> this is what this is what aggravates me. I, I still don't have a strong position supporting or being against the Occupy movement. I, I I just don't really understand it. I I went down there to try to just witness it or figure out what's going on. I, I didn't get inspired by any of the people or their message. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Especially not in L.A. It may be different in New York. Yeah, maybe there's a different thing going on. But to me, it doesn't feel like the 99%. I didn't feel like there were a lot of intelligent, well-spoken people that I related to. I felt like there it was... felt like people who had already been living in tents for years decided <laughs> to all kind of move to... Move their tents over. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it was maybe the bottom 5-10%. A lot of people who had crazy crackpot theories, like a guy was yelling about wealth disparity, and then he goes, yeah, and also let's investigate what really happened in uh, Tower 7. So a lot of people that are just right. anti-crazy kind of crazy government. I mean, I'm in between. Like I realize the government does fucked up shit. 
shit, but I also I also think we landed on the moon. You know, like I'm in right, that, I'm right, in that right, middle. right. Well, I think a lot a lot of people are in that middle, and I think that's what makes that 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 Occupy movement weird. Like, did you see that Daily Show uh, uh, clip where like they had uh, they had uh, Samantha B go out and talk to the so called haves of the of the Wall Street encampment yeah, and the knots of the Wall Street encampment? No, wait, and I'm how sorry. They, what do you mean the haves and the well the ha- that like there are people who had like iPods and cappuccino makers that ran on bicycle power and shit. They were kicking it with their Wi-Fi and having all this great time. They were playing and, video games outside. Yeah, just you know, being that whole the plant and playing multi-linked uh, laptop video games outside, drinking cappuccinos, and making decisions for the movement in the Deutsche Bank building. <laughs> okay, they were they were making decisions for the movement in the Deutsche Bank building, and a, and a little cabal, a one percent, if you will, were sneaking off to make the decisions because the rabble couldn't be trusted with it. That's how they were conducting themselves. Right. So it was almost like a case of people tried to make it a case of so-called human nature. I think it's capitalist human nature. Even when you're trying to fight capitalism, you have to acquiesce to it. Yeah, you have to acquiesce to how the shit works. And and, in capitalism, yeah, there's a few people who make a bunch of decisions that trickle trickle down, ironically enough, to to the rest of us. And that's just how that shit really is. I think from a pragmatic standpoint, what pissed me off was that – well, first off, showing up at this Occupy LA movement, it was kind of like going to a NASCAR event in that you wanted to just see some crazy stuff happen. Right, right. But you didn't want you didn't want to see that. You know what I mean? Like right. when I go to a NASCAR thing, I want to see someone crash and flip over and burn on fire and die. But I don't want to see that. You know what right, I mean? Right, like right. It's that, well, no, my, my friend, it's like, my friend why aren't they wailing on hippies and spraying people with pepper spray? But I don't want to I don't right. actually when when they were getting close, I was like, I don't want to see people get beat up. I don't want to see that. But well, the fuck, I kind of do is, want to see crazy shit happen, dude. The, the, speaking of crazy shit, I was I was having like an argument with my, with uh, with my girl, you know, about like we're talking about the movement and, and like this lady got like uh, she had a miscarriage because she was like three or four months pregnant. Yeah, I heard about And supposedly about that. a cop kicked her in the stomach and maced her in the face and all this jazz. And I'm just like, I found myself going, "Hey, man, when there's thousands of protesters around you and you're a cop, yeah, you're armed, but there's still thousands of motherfuckers there to try to fuck your shit up. So it's like, yeah, one of the smaller ones with a lumpy gut rolls up to you they get kicked and they get sprayed and that's what happens so don't be in that condition if you want to go change the motherfucking world don't try to use your pregnancy as a bulletproof vest bitch obviously that shit didn't work out did it no you know what i mean (laughs) no No. you're right though that uh, that did not work (laughs) well she's probably i'm gonna go out on a limb and she's probably pro-choice if i know i know most of the occupy movement politically i'm gonna say they skew left i'm gonna say she's pro-choice and listen, all right. I'm not. I don't have a kid. I've never had a kid. All right. If whatever, however she wants to take care of her pregnancy, that's between her <laughs> and however she decides her means. All right. Uh, yeah, what pissed man. me off is as a kind of a taxpayer, um, the idea of just this insane amount of wasted resources. All these cops coming here to show up and either clear the camp out or don't. All they did was show up. All of them, I'm sure, like 200, 300 officers, however many were there, all getting double time, just renting yeah. all their equipment. They They're had like the, the teamsters of cops. You know what I mean? They're like the teamsters just wait, waiting on, you know. They yes. were excited about that too. Like, oh, yes, we get to use the riot gear today. Right. Well, you, it was you ready I, for this rookie? The, this one, <laughs> the one guy, uh, the one guy, um, one of the uh, one of the riot police when they started moving in, I was like, "Oh, hey, can I go this way?" He's like, "No, you can't." And he just goes, "Please go home, sir." <laughs> like you can tell wow. these guys. I mean, there's probably cops. 
range from kind of dicks to ragey dicks. Because it, it <laughs> kind of the position right, brings right. a certain sense of guy. I think there's uh, probably a, uh, plenty of there's decent a, hard There's a bunch dudes. of chicken or the egg thing, though, right. with somebody like – the one thing I, I always equated it to, and not trying to diss cops, but dig it, it is literally – the lowest, you, the lowest intelligence for the highest amount of power. If you think about it, like yeah. you do not have to be smart to be a cop. Yeah, I mean, but army, cops have an inordinate probably, amount of power. Yep, or army's a very close second, or probably edging say, it out. But I would say army is probably less power in the sense that there's someone in the field keeping an eye on you, telling you what to do. Yeah. Whereas these cops, a lot of the stuff is kind of one on one. Then you yeah. know, when you're out in the field, when you're pulling someone over or you're rolling up on a dude, yeah. it's kind of on the honor system for you to actually do yeah. things by the book. I mean, well, it, it just balances out because, like, at least in the army, you get tanks and big shit like the fact that more army dudes don't come back and just somehow get tanks and stuff and and just apply the skills right just the basic like yes i know how to make this move over all these cars (laughs) and shit and there's no ieds over here that you you, you can't stop me now you know what i mean yeah Yeah, i mean in general the way i i mean i'm a capitalist in the sense that it's capitalism i mean i understand they're I understand why people are annoyed at it or the problems with it, just in a broad sense. But you got to admit that capitalism aligns itself, in my mind, mostly with human nature in the sense that it aligns itself with like kind of basic human intent, basic human nature. It seems to be the best system – that we have out there. Well, I mean, this is my thing about capitalism. and, and Or at least traditionally the most fair. Yeah, no, I mean, this is my thing about capitalism. Uh, very succinctly, there are a certain amount of people who go out and, like, supposedly achieve so much and they get a bunch of shit going. But the average person, the average, the truly average person doesn't necessarily aspire to all that shit. They might aspire as a dream or something to do that shit. But mostly what they want to do is be able to pay their bills, make sure their family's okay. So yes. the fact that there's the whole – there's a big middle pack from low to middle that that just more or less want to do that they want to dream about the other shit but they never do the stuff that they that that it takes to get where they need to go and then there's a few people who are from lower strata or middle or whatever that's that start their t-shirt company start fucking rapping start shooting people in the face and getting away with it (laughs) whatever you got to do to get that money and then that starts someone else rapping (laughs) exactly and there you go and i think the biggest problem is the people at the very top shave a little bit off of everyone's Money, obviously. I mean, that's where the money goes. When mm-hmm. you pay for something, they shave a little bit off of everything you pay for. it. That's the top 1%. And that's why we have this Keynesian economic system that we've always had since World War II where the government can take more money from people who make more because it's it doesn't seem unfair. Much like the players just uh, trying to get 50% in the right. NBA. It's like – I mean it's – it's hard to argue that we deserve more money when we do a job and we we're willing to do it to get paid a certain amount. I mean, I don't know. It's just, I I think we should basically tax rich people more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, That's I just I is. just think that if if there you need to tax the money that is being made on money. Like I understand that if you invest, you shouldn't be punished for investing. But I, I think if if you make money because you produce. That's great. Right. Have a ball. I don't want. I don't want to fuck you. I don't want to fuck your money up that bad. If you're producing, yeah. But if you're making money on old money and stuff, give me some of that money you just made off that old money. 
yeah. come on, give me some of that money you just made out of nowhere on that old money. Give me some of that, just a big, a big little chunk, like a, you know, when you're breaking up weed with your homie. Give me that big nug. Come on, yeah. man, I fucking drove you over here. Give me that big nug. That's what the American people kind of want with the economy. They want. I drove you here, rich guy. Give me the big nug. You still get to keep most of the eighth, you know? Yeah, but. I yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, how do you how do you do that responsibly? I mean, you could make an argument. I see the argument in that why you why why is the tax rate uh, regressive in the sense that like okay, imagine if you're essentially everyone's working for the government because we're making money for the government, right? Okay, so if you had a sales job and your your boss said, hey, if you sell ten thousand widgets, uh, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna you know give you um, you sell ten thousand widgets, I'm only gonna take ten percent of that. You can keep the rest of that money. You're like, oh, wow, okay, that sounds like a good deal. I get to keep 90% of the money I make off the widgets. He's like, yeah, you make 20,000 widgets, I get to take 15%. It's like, wait, why are you punishing me for right. making more money? Right. Why are you – I mean people inherently want to make more money. I mean that's Warren Buffett's argument that by even if having a higher tax rate for billionaires, I, I think he's kind of full of shit. But um, that uh, – you know, people are inherently driven by money anyway, so it doesn't really deter. But why should you be punished by being successful by paying uh, yeah. by having to pay a higher tax rate and essentially be given the same amount of services, if anything less? You drive on the same roads, you go to the same school, et cetera, et cetera. You're not you're not probably taking out anymore. You're not like living off of uh, social services, that kind of stuff. I would well, yeah. say that once you reach a certain level, you're you're at that level and you're pretty safe from becoming poor again. As opposed to someone who's trying to get out of being in a poor situation where every right, dollar but, they make, they immediately have to but spend what, it. But yeah, I mean, so you're more, but so the government more in a I, position to, to give more now. Obviously, it's arguable how much is fair and all that stuff. It's very, yeah, but why should you have to give more? You did the work essentially to earn more money. Why well, I, I honestly on? think that 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 the, the problem can be solved with a little bit more. Like, and I don't know who's going to pay these people. But that's the problem. Right. But but the, the the accountability of charity. I think a lot more people would give to charities if they didn't have a sneaking suspicion that the Red Cross having a goddamn helicopter <laughs> yes. is yeah. coming out of their donation. You know what no, I mean? No, no, that always – I always used to be way more – I feel like giving to these organizations. And then like you said, you read stuff about these nonprofits and the way they're run and like – wait, the, the – Head uh, person of the CEO of the Red Cross makes three hundred grand. What? That's right. coming out of my money. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. And 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 just like just this whole this whole process of like. Uh, but see, that's capitalism, though. That it dovetails back to that shit, though. Right. The giving Red away Cross, money is giving a away money is a business, and you have to hire a person based upon salary requirements. And they decided that three hundred thousand dollars entices the type of person that's a good enough CEO to help them distribute this money. You know, it's just it it, it dovetails on on, on itself. Well, we talk, so. we're talking. About capitalism, we're talking about the economy. I got a clip here of, I think uh, Black Friday is always a good. Uh, you want to put in your earbuds so you can hear the. Uh, oh yeah. Black Friday is always a uh, a good economic indicator. I think I tweeted out that you, the real economic indicator isn't housing starts or unemployment. It's the number of uh, trampling deaths on Black Friday. Oh, but wow. this is uh, <laughs> there's always some Black Friday hijinks. So uh, in good natured fun of the holidays, uh, let's take a listen. Black Friday shopping off to a painful start for shoppers at a Los Angeles area Walmart. Police say that a woman sprayed fellow shoppers. This actually happened with pepper spray in the packed store. Bob DeCastro from our Los Angeles affiliate KTTV is live in Porter Ranch, California. So, Bob, what is the latest? 
Oh my gosh. Well, to boot uh, this woman. <laughs> okay, first off, is that not the worst reporting? Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. My gosh. <laughs> When we hear this, uh, so Steve, we're gonna go. We're gonna go live to New York City, where a plane has just flown into the South Tower. Steve, can you give us a report? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Is <laughs> still so sort of on the loose. Police are still looking for her. Uh, I asked the cops why, uh, how she was able to actually pepper spray a group of people and then walk out of the store. Well, apparently there was so much mayhem after she pepper sprayed even children inside the store trying to get to this Xbox 360 uh, that they didn't know who did what. And she was able to get to the register. She was able to check out and get the Xbox 360 at half price. It's what she really wanted <laughs> man and this is a huge story she is at home loving all this coverage no she no actually knows who she is right? well she actually turned herself in oh, oh wow right. yeah this oh, came okay. in I didn't, why I didn't mean would you your... do that the perfect crime <laughs> well I, I guess they i guess they got it on security camera here's my thing I, these corporate giants in this in this litigious era how do these corporate people how are you not walking into – literally, you're walking into a death trap. But liability-wise, how are they not – how do they allow this? Like, how's the fire marshal – I've been to so many bars where, like, oh, man, we just got fined by the fire marshal yesterday. Meanwhile, people are running over each other for $2 waffle makers at, at Walmart. How is that – how do these people you, not get in trouble? You know what's weird about that, though? I just had a vision in my head of it being, like, the TSA. Like, they lock down stores, like the airport. Yeah. And there's all this succession of, like, fat black women who tell you that you can go or you can't go and they check your receipt and they go um <laughs> I, what you get in the xbox all right take your head down to this line and it's like a lane with dudes that lead the people who want to go get an xbox over there who lead the people who want to get you know like a big weird like you know 1984 gruel yeah. line right. type shit you know what i mean <laughs> like that's the only way i think that they could like really make that sort of violence that happen anytime you could let people mob around go to the comedy store there's a comedy store open mic yes dude they put the list on the table and, are- and like 50 or 60 dudes will swarm one cocktail table just to see if they were dudes. on the list or not. Yeah, or, or, or to grab the list and try to write their names, and they write their name. People learn how to write their name upside down, and all of a sudden, in the, it's a rugby scrum over writing your name on a list. You know, to go up at to go up at a comedy club. You know how what do I mean? they not? So. Yeah, like you said, how does it not? Okay, everyone who decided to show up at this godforsaken hour, who really doesn't have a family, but is supposedly buying here gifts for their family. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. You are in first in line. That means you get. The first chance to draw out a number. If your number has a one, you get to go in and buy an Xbox. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. Go it, like yeah, or, 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 or something like like some sort of uh, pecking order. Just draw names of, out of a hat. Uh, and plus some or sort of pecking thing. We let thing. ten people in at a time. Ten people in at a time. Yeah, let people in. <laughs> let them get their shit. Check out. Get in. Get your shit. Check out. Get in. Get your shit. Check out. Hey. We've all seen Supermarket Sweep. You hit the button, you get a run in. But they, you know what they didn't have in Supermarket Sweep? 3,000 people in the same supermarket. They let the person, right. okay, you got two minutes, go. Whatever you get, come back, go. Right, and, and like if you show up, if you show up, you get a priority ticket. The priority ticket has a fucking voucher for six minutes on it. You get six minutes in the store. Use it wisely, or some yes. shit like that. Something like that, yeah, where it's just like go get your ticket. Then that will p- make people like do. But you know what? Do you know what's insidious about that? They let people trample each other and fuck each other over because they want you to impulse buy. They don't want to control it. They want to let the maelstrom happen and have all their bullshit fly off the shelves in the wind. That's what they that want. That is true. It probably adds to the the, fr- the, the frenzy, the urgency. It seems like yeah, the frenzy. 
frenzy and the scarcity. They want they they know the scarcity drives the people at that time. The bargain is yeah, whatever. As the bargain decreases due to scarcity, which leads us back to motherfucking capitalism. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> they're they're humans fighting for resources. Mm-hmm. They. They're just out there elbowing left and right, going at it. But that's the thing. In other countries, motherfuckers fight each other over a pile of meat or something. We fight each other in order to buy some shit. You know what I mean? To take it home. That's just hilarious to me. How do you you have no soul? I mean, (laughs) I just don't understand. I understand people are fucked up. They do fucked up things. I I just don't understand the complete lack of soul. You have that. You're you're playing Santa for your kid. It's wrapped in in a nice wrapping paper. He comes down, opens it. Open it's Christmas morning. You see him hooking up the Xbox. He looks so happy, and you're like, "Yeah, I'd pepper spray nine kids for that. That feels good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. and I, here's the thing: I bet you his mom's a real bitch too. But that's the thing. But she's working so hard to get him a toy, and then meanwhile, she's probably gonna ground. She's just gonna use it to like hold leverage against the kid. Like, <laughs> like you hey, know what? I you don't pay attention. You? I'm gonna steal your Xbox. You know, you know how many old women I had to kick down a flight of stairs for that? All right, you appreciate that. <laughs> If you don't listen to me, I'm going to take it back from you. But, Mom, but nothing, all right? You want to... <laughs> now it sounds like he's got some leverage. <laughs> yeah, maybe he does. Uh, th- see, but that's the thing. If she, if, if she didn't turn herself in, you know, that kid would have that was like, hey, hey, you smelled like pepper spray when you came in, Mom. I, I, I know it was you. It was like like, like a Batman's kid busting him or something. <laughs> he's like opening up. He's just like, son, are you crying tears of joy because of your new Xbox? No, I think there's a little bit of pepper spray on, Mom. <laughs> yeah. It's a little pepper spray still in the box. Tear ducts are opening up. Thank you. Did you get in a fight, young man? Well, yeah, I didn't have any pepper spray, Mom. You can- <laughs> Meanwhile, this kid, 10 years later, is going to be whining in a therapist's office. My parents never did anything for me, and they didn't love me, and they never really worked really hard. To, and they're like, I, yeah, I had Xbox, but, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the Xbox is the last thing. I got thing. in at half price. It's- Meanwhile, if you really loved your son, you would have bought it at full retail price when it first came out, not uh- some knocked-off... Bullcrap. If she really loved them, she would formulate like a smoke bomb. Like it, it, you know what I mean? Like she could she could really easily deftly drop a smoke bomb out of the bottom of her coat. Like she exactly. could light it in her pocket and just drop it, right? And, uh, and it makes a funky gaseous thing and different stuff happens and she just wanders around and she just grabs up an Xbox and just, you know. Now, who are these buy these? I don't know. <laughs> who are these Walmart employees? I've worked crappy jobs and I've worked at crappy jobs. When mayhem ensues and there's a near ride, I'm, that's when I'm taking my coffee break. That's when I'm going, right. uh, I'm going to go in the bathroom. I want to know who is this employee that's checking her out. Like, there's just like <laughs> people are crying and running all over the place. Oh, did you find everything you need? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, the humanity. Yeah, boop. Uh, I'm going to take, take a smoke break right now. I see uh, people trampling each other to death. I mean, but that that would be me though. I used to be a security guard at the library, and th- when shit would go down, I would just be gone, man. I, just, I, <laughs> I, just, I'm I, I wasn't I wasn't there, man. I was, I'm sorry, I didn't experience that. Sorry, exactly. you know, I was. I, I just I was patrolling yeah. the building. <laughs> yeah, I was. Patro- I was in the around. other sector. I was. You see the the places where there weren't trouble. <laughs> I would. That's. I'm responsible for that. I'm Use responsible for that sector. lack of trouble. Exactly. Use the word sector. That's key. All right. The sector. Yeah. Yeah. The sector. <laughs> this. I. Uh, I had to pull this. Like I said, I was hanging out with uh, Justin, and we were watching. Uh, they had a promo for Gabriel Iglesias' new show, Stand Up um, Revolution. Stand Up Revolution. So, hey, God bless him. He's putting on his friends and, uh, you know, giving some guys some chance for TV. But I, I, I heard this one joke. <laughs> this is the joke. Like, they cut together the promos, people doing stuff, and then this is the joke they decided to use for this Comedy Central uh, stand up show. All right, take a listen. 
Yeah, man, I met this one girl. She told me she was celibate. I said, well, if you celibate, I'll buy a bit. I got some drink tickets and some chicken wing. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was wow. like, that was on the Comedy Central promo. Yeah. Now, I get there's the all last different... joke, like the punchline joke of like, right, there really was... watch this show. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not a complete comedy snob. I, I get it. There's different comedy for everyone, but right. it, it, it does get frustrating when you're trying to... <laughs> When you're doing comedy and you're trying to get a show on Comedy Central, and you're like, yeah, what, what am I missing? What am I not doing to kind of break through? Or what, am I, what, am, what about my comedy isn't hitting on a, on a larger level? And then you see that and you're like, God, I do not want to be a part of that larger level. Dude. Well, I mean, and, and, but it, it happens on so many levels. Like I was, I was at a club one time and uh, I was young in the game and I wasn't very good. And I got off and the host came up and he kind of gave me the business for being not very good. <laughs> And then, and then he said, uh, now listen to this girl. She's, she's, uh, she's got a set. And this chick came up and she told a joke about rubbing her, her vagina on the couch and her young boyfriend. She was like maybe forties, had a glass cavassier, rubbing her, <laughs> rubbing her, rubbing her cooch on the, on the couch arm and that making his, his young friends who came over to play Xbox the next day be like, damn, looks like that bitch has been over here. So, oh, your woman's something like that. Right. And people are like, not necessarily even laughing that hard at that shit, but they were laughing at it, laughing more at it more than my shit. Yeah. And the dude gets on stage and goes, see, boy, that's he goes back to me he comes back to me and goes see that's a set and I'm just like no it's not (laughs) no it's not it's just a bunch of bullshit that bitch sucks you suck for thinking that bitch is cool fuck all y'all you know what I mean well that's just the crazy thing about show business is that you see People are like, oh, Sean, you're just jealous. Well, yeah, obviously I'm just jealous. But it's like, oh, yeah, you just hate on that. But what's frustrating is I know really good, talented guys. Like, why wasn't Ed Greer on Stand Up Revolution instead of that guy? And it could have been a funnier, smarter joke that could have been in there. It's not that I'm so much mad at that that guy's success. I'm a little bit mad at that, to be honest. But it's more I'm just frustrated because I know my stuff. Well, most importantly, my stuff. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I know plenty of talented people that aren't getting chances and that's where the frustration is not so much that like okay hey god bless a guy for being successful but you realize okay there's only x number of chances or you feel at least there's only x number of chances and that's where the frustration well i mean and part of part of frustration is also that that is one of the like the oldest joke book jokes ever in the history of the world it doesn't even seem like that's a joke like i i think i heard jokes like that like when i was a kid it's not even a joke it's just it's just like a kind of it's like a kind of pun or if, something like that. Celib- semi-pun. If celib- basically, you can turn anything into a sexual euphemism, but sell a bit or buy uh, no, a buy a bit, that is that <laughs> does nothing. not work as a sexual right. euphemism. Right. You can you can buy say almost any, <laughs> any phrase and turn it into a sexual euphemism like, yeah, I closed that door on that chick, if you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I turned on that TV and you know, just nod your head right. and do the right. eyebrows. Right. And it kind of works as a sexual euphemism. Not great, like, yeah, I painted her house, if you know what I'm saying. But I I buy a that bit. That one works better than most, actually. I, I buy a bit, like, yeah, I got that brush up all in there, you know, like she like, like you could Really, because sex is just such a ambiguous thing in in, in like wordplay. You can really get away with anything, and this guy isn't even pulling that off. But but the the funny thing also that 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 being an old crummy joke to me, like I I, I seem like I heard shit like that before. But also Comedy Central going, look, I'm gonna cut this. To, whoever cut that together, yes, going yeah. like like this is gonna be the dope shit. Like this this is representative this of the level watch. of humor on this. 
I don't understand that choice. I'm not dissing it. I'm saying I don't understand right, that choice. Creatively, I don't understand it. it. Or Gabriel Iglesias, he's got a huge following. He's, like, animated. He does voices. He's got, you know, like, I feel like there could have there, – there's got to be a lot more. There's got to be a better I, clip of Gabriel Iglesias doing some yeah. shit than, than that stuff. Yeah, you're right. I was going to say as an editor – it might be because he shakes his head and makes his eyes wide, and that's like a visual cue to like cut. <laughs> yeah, but like just thinking about it. But yeah, Gabriel Iglesias does that stuff too. So all right. Well, speaking of uh, horrible public speakers, you got to throw this on. We uh, normally it's Herman Cain uh, making the Republican gaffe of the week, but this this one comes courtesy of Rick Perry. Slowly seeming like he's Rick rolling himself out of <laughs> GOP candidacy opportunity with this uh, latest flub. We are going to pass a constitutional amendment that makes the Congress part-time. We will do it, and America will be better because of it. (laughs) And the fact is, those of you that are sitting in um, in this hall who are going to inherit this country are counting on us. Those of you that are will be 21 by November the 12th. I ask for your support and your vote. Those of you who won't be, just work hard. Yeah, man, I met this... Yeah, that's so great, because you can hear, obviously, the voting age being 18. Right. And you can hear the guy in the thing laughing, but Rick Perry almost starts laughing to himself, because he thinks the guy is going along with his right. joke. Uh, oh, my oh, yeah, that's pretty funny when those, those people that can't vote, they have to work hard. That's, that's a good line, Rick Perry. Yeah, he seems like he's always on Oxycontin or something. Yeah, he does. He does seem pilled up. Supposedly he's a bit of a drinker. Well, does, does, and as much as I, you know, kind of uh, empathize with those qualities, <laughs> like I'm not presidential material. Neither You're not he. slurring right now. Right. Like I have a couple can... drinks and I mess up on stage talking in front of a microphone. I get it. But I'm not, I'm not also running for president. I don't got my hand no. on the button. <laughs> well, no, I, I also think, though, like the, these sort of flubs represent, like, I, if I was his guy – when I get him back in the locker room, you know, I go, why are you freestyling out there? We got plays. We got plays. We can run these plays. Say America, America, border, border, money, money. You know what I mean? Like He, had, he had that first chunk all It was set just up. fine. I, like, honest, I would be willing to bet that he's messed up a lot of the times that he screws up like that. He really seems why, why would you be messed up? That seems like the biggest opportunity. Dude, dude, if any of us got anywhere near close to being the president, if we were like oh, the I'd fifth candidate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I'd love to see Logan. That's yeah, I'd totally fuck it up. I'd be wasted up there. It'd be fun. Yeah. I can <laughs> well, see Logan up there kind of just zoning out. And he's what having fun, too. He, he's not – he never gets that frustrated when he screws up. He's just like – like when he made that Sorry, really bad on? flub. <laughs> yeah. yeah just no, like, I don't know. I don't, inside, I think he's doing like Scotty J and Boogie Nights. And, fucking idiot. Fucking idiot. Yeah. Like I think he's – inside, I think he's like he's, going he's like, dude, under the pressure. again, again with this. Like I, cause, I don't know. He's yeah. he's a Philip Rivers fumbler. <laughs> he's, he's a McNabb-esque. He can't, he can't come <laughs> up in the clutch. Man. Ed, you came up big time in the clutch. Show <laughs> flew by. What uh, what can you plug, man? What do you got to plug? Segway master. Sure. Uh, basically, well, uh, uh, I'm Ed Greer Destroys on Twitter. E-D-G-R-E-E-R. Uh, Ed Greer Destroys on Twitter. And uh, I got my website, supportdestruction.com. It's mostly just a calendar to tell you where I am. And it has like link to all the different crap that I write, videos I post, stuff that I write. So yeah, man. I, I right, good thank times, you for man. Very, Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for putting me on, buddy. All right, and uh, Logan, you want to wrap things up with haiku? Let's do it.
will miss you, Patrice. MJ is a flip-flopper. <laughs> Pepper spray mayhem. Wow, pointy, Logan. Appreciated that. Okay, everyone. Well, let's see. Uh, thanks for listening to The Green Room, of course. Got a couple uh, dates to plug here. I'm not sure uh, when this is going to post, but if it is on uh, December the 1st, I will be at the Red Fox Tavern in Eureka, California, 9 o'clock. And, of course, the big Christmas show in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Steel Stacks Show with Johnny LaQuasto, December 22nd. You can go to artsquest.org or you can go to shantygreen.com to get tickets. We just sold out the 200-seat venue already, so it's uh, moved Ooh. to a 350-seat venue, so make sure you get your pre-sale tickets. And uh, make sure you guys check out 247comedy.com. They uh, present the podcast. They also got the uh, number or one of the, uh, yeah, I think they have one of the top comedy channels on the iHeartRadio app, so make sure you download that. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. We do it here live every Thursday on SeanTGreen.com. Thanks for listening to The Green Room. Check out Sean Green's comedy CD, The Whiskey Dig, now available on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show and check out thecomedygaragemovie.com.